0: Hi, I'm Tasha Weeks. And I'm Kelly Guyton. Welcome to Cultural Yours Mental Health. We will discuss all things mental health for people of color.
1: Let's create our own narratives for our own experiences that affect us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Be informed, be supported, be empowered.
0: Hello, hello, welcome to episode four. And today um, I'm talking about how to recognize mental health disorders um, with the four Ds. So in previous episodes, we focused on the history of mental health and how its development plays a role in culture for people of color. Today we wanted to talk about how to recognize when mental health support is needed. So this can be for yourself or someone that you care for. Um, And so to help, help make it memorable to, to know um, when support is needed, you know, we've, we organize it as the four D's, distress, dysfunction, deviance, and danger.
1: And I think it's important to know because a lot of times when we are going through our everyday lives, um, it just becomes normal. You know, the challenges, Mm -hmm. the struggles that we're going through, it becomes so normal that we are missing those connections, missing those signs that, hmm, maybe I might need a little extra you know, to help support in this period of my life. Right.
0: And so typically, you know, one of the first things that can come up is distress. So oftentimes, you know, we get the, well, what do you mean by distress kind of question? Uh, distress is that Psychological distress, you know, a set of painful mental and physical symptoms that are connected with normal fluctuations of your mood. Um, that's usually how it shows in most people. In other cases, um, the psychological distress can be um, an indication that that it's the beginning of a major depressive disorder, or anxiety, or schizophrenia, or a um, a somatization uh, disorder, or a variety of clinical conditions. So. I want to be clear, even though you may be feeling distressed, it doesn't mean that you say, oh, I got anxiety or, oh, it must be schizophrenia. You know that you're distressed, that there is, there's something happening and that you can seek that mental health support to figure out what exactly that may be. Um, But, you know, it's thought that to be um, what's assessed by, um, you know, it can be self-report measures of depression, anxiety, which, you know, you guys, you know, people do have access to.
1: Right. right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the second D would be dysfunction. It um, is any impairment, disturbance, or deficiency in behavior or how you operate in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. This can be um, dysfunctional family, a family in which relationship or communication are impaired, and members are unable to attain some type of closeness um, and self-expression. Like, it's very hard for you to express yourself, you know, within your family. Maybe you feel like you don't have a voice um, within dysfunctional... Yeah. this dysfunctional family system. Uh, members of a dysfunctional family often develop systematic behaviors and often one individual in the family presents as the what we would call the identified patient.
0: Right. You know, and this, and, and there's just two things that you were saying there, Tasha. I really wanted to make sure that, you know, gets spoken on. One is that the distressing can affect other areas of your life too. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's another way that you can find out. It's not just one area because it does end up connecting. The other thought I was thinking when you were saying this is thinking about how the relationships that you, you may have um, with someone else and how long that relationship lasts and how that can carry over, how you may start to kind of pick up on those
1: things. You know what I mean? Right. Right. There are Uh, times times when, um, when I, I have a patient and they have, you know, like a dysfunctional family system. And even though they're seeing me for depression, anxiety, PTSD, because they have a dysfunctional family, they still seem like the most healthiest person within that dysfunctional family system.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can and they and they just may be that doesn't mean that they are getting through unscathed though. Right. Right. Because it, you may, know,
1: it makes it be anxiety things. there in a certain normal normality that gets developed. Right, it makes it def- difficult for them to make the positive improvements in their lives mm-hmm. um, to modify some of their own behaviors because they're still within this dysfunctional family system.
0: Right, you know, and, and and that makes me think about how even though an individual can recognize that their family system or, you know, workplace or what uh, whatever type of environment they're in is is not um, healthy or functioning properly. When they start to go to a different space, let's say a different job or, and, you know, you, you start dating and you're in a different family environment or you're in your own home, your own space, start to notice some of the normalities that get developed that suddenly doesn't feel quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, you may find yourself feeling more anxious because it's not as um, intense or um, active. I want to put it, I'll put it that way. It's not as active as, you know, an individual may be used to. Okay. One of the examples I love to give is kind of like when you're coming out of a club and you're used to all that noise and you know what's loud and then you come out and it's the silence. is just deafening to the mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and then having to sit with that and understand what that is and, and let that become your new norm. So we just want to be really clear what, what these things can look like.
1: Mm-hmm. And the um, the third D is deviance. Mm-hmm. Is a behavior that is different is significantly significantly different from what is considered appropriate or typical for like a social or cultural group it's right from it's deviant from the norm it's deviant from um maybe the social class that you're from it's you know it's, it's you can tell you'll be able to tell
0: yeah um and, and that, it, that you know that makes me think about when you move from um, one cultural space to another.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you have to kind of have to like switch up.
0: Right. 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 Um, and know that what's normal in one group or one cultural, you know, space may not be so normal in another. And it it's not bad. It's just different, mm-hmm. you know, and understanding and, and, and being mindful when placing any labels or, you know, how you are, you know, moving through that space, you know, um, you know, Tasha, I'm sure you yeah. had, had that experience coming out of New York to coming over further, further North is, is that for them to, into,
1: into this area? <laughs> I'm from New York. So this is all South to us. South. Yeah. Like this is the South for us. You know, I'm, we're in Maryland. This is, this is the South to me.
0: I would say this is getting, this is, this is, on the border of the South (laughs) for me because coming out of California it's like to me that's just really northern it's west coast but it's really northern and I do see the cultural difference um, especially when it comes to mental health um, and how it's approached you know, um, it's kind of like it's like a wave. It's like it's really normalized and, you know, in, in the different um, cultural experience over there. And it's made its way here to what I say, the East Coast and on the cusp of the South. Even
1: in cool. Maryland. Cool. <laughs> it is. The, I mean, it, it's close enough. I feel like it's close enough. It's like in the middle where you can hear the different accents um, mm-hmm. between the northerners and the, the southerners. Because there's people within this area from, you know, both up top and further down.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I I did come across that. And you know what, Tachi, you make me think of a very distinct experience. You know, when I first moved to Maryland, coming out of California and this, and guys, this is what, this is what we mean by like that, that cultural difference and how it can spark some of that anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I came from California, not realizing like, you know, Maryland can be considered South. I got hit with that, that accent from someone who was white Mm. and it made me uncomfortable. They weren't mean. They were quite polite. They held the door open and they had a Southern drawl. And I'm like, is this okay? Am I okay? Am I safe? (laughs) You know, I got uncomfortable because I just, I, I got hit with a culture shock unexpectedly, which is why it's called a shock, you know? And so instead of, you know, getting suspicious about it you know i was more curious and like okay i'm recognizing that i'm not in california anymore and this is different and you know it's not really a common thing to have the door <laughs> held open for you as a black woman mm-hmm. by someone that's white and you know being polite about it typically it's like you better catch up cuz the door ain't staying open very long you better stay behind me or you just open your own door your
1: own door yeah
0: you know um and so coming with that with that different cultural lens and how to respond to people that is different you know and not in a negative way and also how to respond to the self
1: and another um i do have another example of just where cultural differences can cause some sort of um distress and deviance is when i you know i joined the navy at 21 and i'm going from new york first time away from home first time away from family mm-hmm. not for my first time out of new york of course but um you know, stationed in Virginia and mm. on the ship and everyone that's there is from all over, you know, from all over the United States, even some people from out, outside of the United States, but being able to, you stand out because you t- you talk like a New Yorker, right? Like, mm-hmm. Pretty obvious <laughs> that you're a Brooklyn girl because, you know, of the way I talked and, you know, like I said, fresh out of Brooklyn, so it was a lot of yo, a lot of sun and, I got no, I wouldn't say picked on because I had a tough skin, but it was just like it was just like always a topic of conversation. So it made me very self-conscious of the way I spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, for The first time I started switching up how I spoke, I started watering down my um my Brooklyn accent because I got tired of people talking about it. I got tired of it being a yeah. conversation. I got tired of like, oh, you're from New York. Ugh. You know, like instant disgust because. Basically, all New Yorkers are rude and disrespectful, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The stereotype that came with being a black girl from New York, you know, oh, she must be angry. She must be a bitch, all these different things. And so I had to switch up. I felt uncomfortable. It was a little bit of distress, for sure. Um, a little bit of depression, for sure, because it was just so different being away from my cultural norm, being away from my family and friends where I didn't have to pretend to be somebody that I wasn't.
0: Yeah, it can be lonely.
1: Yeah, and and of course, being on a ship, I lived there and worked there.
0: That's a great example, you know, because that, that kind of experience can create that type of loneliness and other like anxiety and depression, even just start to evaluate your own self-esteem at times, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and having to intentionally suppress who you are to not have to get that backlash. You know, Tosh, and I, and I can completely relate to that when I went from East to West, not West to East, when I came from Philly, to California. You know, I had the same experience. Why you talk like that? I would talk for 10, 15 minutes and completely be unheard and be like, you're not from here. I said, did you hear me when I asked for directions or when I'm mm-hmm. trying to share who I am and having to be so conscious of that and having to um, change up, like you said. And this is this is the, we share these stories because, you know, for anyone that's listening, just thinking about how these things, how the anxiety can be created you know, and,
1: and the identity crisis that can come up. Right. Because back then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't making the connections and Mm -hmm. realizing that this is what's happening. I'm going through depression for the first time. I did not notice it at all, honestly. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and
0: having this awareness can be very empowering, you know, so that, you know, like, you know, you, you may not need to seek additional mental health support but that community perhaps some sort some sort of support right right you know um because if you are finding yourself feeling a bit isolated and unseen unheard and you know suppressed alone alone, alone mm-hmm. you know it can lead to that depression and some other some other unhealthy thoughts which leads to our, our last D which is danger
1: mm-hmm.
0: Okay. When, when that, when these things go left, um, I- I'm going to go with unchecked, <laughs> basically without any intervention or awareness, it can lead to some pretty serious things, you know, and, and you if it to leads ask- long enough, like suicide, um, or self-harming.
1: Yeah. You have to ask, like, am I becoming a danger to myself or to others? Okay. Am I, drinking more alcohol than I normally would. Am I smoking more weed than I normally would? Am I more promiscuous
0: than I normally would to try to feel something or get this connection? Again,
1: misplaced. Right. Because self-harm doesn't always mean I'm cutting myself.
0: No, not at all. It can be, you know, behaviors that puts you at risk or that's more extreme than you normally would have if you weren't feeling distressed or alone. Okay. Or lost or confused, okay. things like that. Um, and so that's it's, it's a really good way to kind of see where you are and, you know, what the line is and if you've crossed it, because you can always come back from it.
1: Yeah. Um, isolation is another form of, of danger. Um, I mentioned it in a previous episode that we are <clears throat> social creatures, that we strive off social interactions. We grow through social interactions. So when we isolate and we are just making ourselves more alone in our feelings, It it leads to more dangerous behaviors. Um, Think about COVID quarantine and how it just—we did not expect it to hit the community the way that it did. We were not prepared for the increase in um, mental health services, but it—it was bad. It was bad. Um, This depression went up for sure. Isolation is not good for our mental health.
0: It's really not. We we need our community. We need our tribe. Okay. We need that, that human connection. Um, And I think one of the hardest parts that I think we start to realize during COVID was how powerful a hug can be. (laughs) You know, for the huggers out there, y'all been known, but for those who just kind of took it for granted, it was like, man, what I would give for a hug or just a close contact to feel that deep connection, that genuine connection.
1: I mean, we we do have our extroverts who, who pretty much was just like, this is amazing. Can we do it again? Um, right. right. But, as, but as a whole, you know, isolation, no, it's, it's not good for your mental health. It's not highly recommended.
0: It's not. You know, Atashi, you mentioned about those who were introverts, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, I want to be clear about that. Introvert doesn't mean you're shy. <laughs> doesn't mean that you don't want to talk to people or that you don't want that connection. It's about... You know, an introvert who does enjoy their own company and introvert, extrovert, anything in between, it's still a balance of connection.
1: Well, and then having a choice too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, um, and having that that relationship with yourself. Okay. Extroverts may love being around other people and whatnot, and that's fine. It's it's really about having a good, healthy connection with others and yourself, when you have a good connection with yourself, you're able to recognize these things and know what keeps you in a good space and when to reach out more,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: to keep you from f- f- um, falling further into that.
1: Right. Cause even yeah. introvert has that those one or two people who they can rely on and count on and say, Hey, I'm not doing good right now. I need to.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, and then of course, you know, there's a few things when it comes to danger in in community violence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. When we, again, when these th- things, or these emotions, the anxiety, the depression, or any other clinical, um, mental health diagnosis go without appropriate intervention, it can lead to a lot of different types of community violence that can get misunderstood. Um, Oh, goodness, so many examples i could I can think of that we see on the news um and just coming out of frustration and just not knowing where to place it,
1: yeah,
0: and we we take it out on one another again, that's that's really dangerous because then we hurt we're hurting our own communities. you know, this is for you know people of color, and we're talking about community. We're talking about tribe. And when we are not checking our own feelings and really seeing where this is coming from, we end up hurting our own people.
1: Mm-hmm. very true, Kelly.
0: You know, um and so it's, it's, it's important when you start thinking about the value of your culture and the importance of it, it can help you contribute to your culture in a much healthier way and not contribute to hurting it. You know, I hope that makes sense to y'all because it's, 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 it can be a really powerful thing um, and, and empowering to the culture, uh-huh. the community when we are not hurting ourselves.
1: So when you are thinking about mental health, whether that's for yourself, someone that you know, someone that you care about, you know, using the four Ds, distress, dysfunction, deviance, and danger, um, it will, it will show up in your everyday life. It will show up in different aspects of your life. It's not going to be only at work, but it will be at home. It will be in your personal relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. And to
1: definitely also keep cultural in mind because what's, not normal to me might be normal for somebody else. So it doesn't mean that they are distressed because it looks different to you because it's not your norm.
0: Right. I, Don't I think, fall
1: into the world just diagnosing people because you learn these four Ds.
0: Right. Right. You know, I'll, I'll give you a really good example. You have some cultures that Value emotional expression and, and putting it out there. So just because someone talks, you know, very loudly and assertively and very, you know, expressively, doesn't mean that they are, you know, di- have a diagnosable dis- a disorder. It just means they're very expressive. Think about it through the cultural lens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? Or someone who is more meek and um and and quiet. It doesn't mean that they're internalizing everything and they're borderline suicidal. Again, look at it through the cultural lens. Um, and see if that may be something that's valuable or part of just who they are and they may have healthy connections. So just, you know, you, you make a good point there, Tosh. Just, again, mm-hmm. that control lens is important.
1: But so I hope this I hope this helps you all um, make those connections when it comes to your mental health. Um, and that's all I got for today.
0: Yes, yes. We'll, we'll follow up on some of these points as, throughout the other episodes too.
1: All right. So until next episode, be informed, be supported and be empowered.